and strangers, does that not make you a serial killer? I didn't kill him every day, did I? Did I go out there every day and say, hmm, I'm going to kill him? If I did, there would well, be hundreds. Well, it took you 12 months. Then he rings up Rex again, and that's when I looked at him and I started sobbing. If I had shot my own children, would I not have done a good job of it? Because, you know, first of all, women generally don't commit crimes this heinous. Right. This is usually the domain of men. That's unfortunate. Hey, Gabe. Hey, Danny. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. I have been busy at work, and now I'm ready to have fun telling a murder. Are you ready to get your heart rate up and listen to a murder? Always. <laughs> okay. You're going to have to help me with her name again. So it. this is about... Christine P-A-O-L-I-L-L-A So if that name is Spanish, which it looks to be, then it would be Paulia. So the double L becomes a Y. Right. Okay. So it's about her. Okay. Just say Paulia. <laughs> and I will be calling her Christine from now on. Christine what? Christine, also known as the Psycho. Danny, and... just, just replace the double L with the Y and you got this. Paulia. And part of the Clear Lake Massacre. Do I have your interest in past the whole name thing now? There you go. Yeah. Okay. So she was born in New York on March 31st, 1986. To a stay-at-home mom and a construction worker for a father. And when she was two, she had a very bad year. Her father died in a construction accident. Why OSHA is important. You just get in the way of good buildings. And then her grandfather died, and then her great-grandmother died. All in the same year. And then when she was seven, she went to live with her remaining grandparents because her mom ended up getting addicted to drugs and losing custody. And to make things worse, when she was young, she was diagnosed with alopecia, which means you just like lose all your hair. It's this crazy thing. So she lost her hair, her eyebrows, her eyelashes, and she had to start wearing wigs, which understandably impacted her confidence severely so she was bullied very viciously throughout her childhood and into high school and she actually ended up switching high schools at the age of 17 when she started this new high school these two popular girls named Rachel and Tiffany befriended her and they helped her fit in and feel more normal. They showed her how to get more natural looking wigs and how to draw on eyebrows so that they looked more natural and not so... Penciled in? Yeah, and distinct. And she actually was nominated as Miss Irresistible for her senior year. Whoa. Was it one of those it wasn't pity a votes? Prank. No, okay. like she actually completely just changed, and she's nice. she is pretty attractive. And it was all due to these two friends, Rachel and Tiffany. They like completely changed her life, and 
They were a year ahead of her, so her senior year, they had already graduated. When she was 17, she began dating 21-year-old Christopher, who was a drug addict. 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 What did I say? Addict. Addict. Okay. <laughs> that one. And then in Christopher's household, this is actually where the nickname The Psycho was penned, you know? Because she was very obsessive and jealous and one instance is she and Christopher got into a fight so she went and started banging on all the doors trying to break into the house where he and his family lived and she threatened to murder his entire family and then when they still wouldn't let her in she went and fell asleep on the front lawn until he came out where did this come from she went from the underdog story where you're rooting for her and she makes friends and they help her and now she's freaking out over a 21 year old drug addict uh-huh and she was experimenting with drugs too oh well that would that could be part the, of it yeah that would play a role yeah so tiffany and rachel tried to get Christine to break up with Christopher because of his drug problems and then also he had some like aggression issues too it nowhere said that he ever abused her just that he was like an aggressive dude okay like in general not necessarily yeah. with her yeah got it and this did not go over well with Christopher or with Christine they both took offense to it and they're like you're just jealous you're trying to break us up that kind of thing <laughs> and then in july of 2003 so christine is still 17 she's 17 throughout most of the story she and christopher go over to tiffany's house they were getting ready to have a pizza party so it was christine christopher tiffany and rachel and then Tiffany's boyfriend, Marcus, and then Marcus's cousin. So a total of six people. Meets the standard of COVID gatherings. Glad to hear it. All the way back in 2003. Yep. Wait, 2003? Mm-hmm. What? This is in 2003. Oh, I could have sworn... She was born in 1986. Got it. I thought you but said now 1886. Oh. Oh my gosh, no. Okay, that, okay, put some more context <laughs> into this. <laughs> oh my gosh, no. 1880, that would be a huge difference. Yeah, that's why I was like, wait. This sounds modern. <laughs> I was like, COVID didn't happen then, and she couldn't have possibly lived that long. So what is happening? Okay. That's on me, though. I, I, need, I need more co coffee. I know. Okay, what is happening? Okay, July 2003. She is 17. Got it. She's at her friend's house. And at this point in time, Tiffany and Rachel had already graduated high school. And they were working in a strip club making a ton of money. And Tiffany's boyfriend was a drug dealer. So it's like overall, they're all kind of like n not in a great situation. Yeah. 
Where, what city is this in again? Harris County, Texas. Okay. So, according to Christine, she and her boyfriend, Christopher, told the group that they planned to get drugs, like buy some, right. from Tiffany's boyfriend. But what they actually planned to do was rob them because they didn't have money for drugs. Wait, but these are their own friends. Her only friends, yes. Right. Her best friends. Right. And the she's like, yeah, let's rob them. All right. So she says Christopher gives her a gun and they go into the house and her gun fires because Christopher grabs it and shoots it while she's holding it. <laughs> and then after that first shot, she was like, it just kept going off and she was shutting her eyes and sobbing while this was happening. Is it so this is what she said? Got it. Yes. Okay, so she they can't okay. see me. Yes. Right. <laughs> so police reports say the crime scene was like an ex execution. It wasn't like random. There were over 40 shots fired and most of them were aimed at Rachel and Tiffany. Both women... Whoa. Wait, 40 shots? Mm -hmm. And they used a, hand, a single handgun? They each had a gun. Still, they, they must have both reloaded maybe even three times. Really? Depends on the gun they used. That is crazy. Well, it was crazy. They shot the women well not they it, yeah okay they shot the women mostly the men were like just killed but the women were Rachel and Tiffany were like had way more bullet wounds than the other ones and they were even shot in the groin which police I don't know if this is true but I guess it's a sign of jealousy like sexual jealousy and it was clearly done with what's the word i'm looking for it was done with like emotion in this like you don't just go and shoot somebody this much right if it's a random it's like when someone gets stabbed like 50 times you're like yeah yeah like that clearly is a crime of passion that's what i was looking for yeah got it so then after everybody's after they're done christine and christopher are leaving and Christine's like, hold on, I have to go back and make sure they're all dead. So she goes in and Rachel was actually still alive and she was crawling to the phone to dial 911 and Christine goes over to her and uses her the butt of her gun to smash the side of her head in. So... Then Christine and Christopher leave, and Christopher takes Christine to her shift at Walgreens, where she's able to do it, finishes it, no problem, no red flags raised or anything. And this case, the police originally have a theory that the murders were drug-related because of the boyfriend that was a drug dealer. But this, of course, led them down a bunch of wrong paths in the wrong direction overall. And Christine was overlooked because she's just this small 17-year-old girl who's known to be best friends with them. And 
Ultimately, the case goes cold for three years. Christine eventually breaks up with Christopher and she inherit inherits $350,000 from a trust fund that her father had set up. Wow. And yeah, and I'm assuming she got it when she was 18. Yeah. And she uses that and she goes to rehab and meets a guy there who she marries. And you're kind of like, wow, she's going down a good path again, right? Sort of, but the path she took previously, you can't unwalk that. She killed her best friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, one day, a TV special airs and it shows a sketch of the suspects. And she starts freaking out because she thinks it looks just like her. And she actually comes clean to her husband and she's like, uh, mostly because she's like, does that look like me? Does that look like me? And she's freaking out and he's like, what do you mean? And she tells him everything. And instead of turning her in, he goes on the run with her and they go to a hotel where they stay for seven months and they like don't leave. And seven months into staying at this hotel, there's a tip about Christine made through this organization called Crime Stoppers. And it turns out it was actually one of the people in rehab with Christine. And she told them what she did while in rehab. <laughs> and I guess they just came out and they're like, we, I can't keep this anymore. I have to tell somebody. So they made an anonymous tip and the police were able to follow her debit card to find her in the hotel. And when they go into the hotel room, it's covered in heroin needles, like covered. Like I've seen pictures and just probably thousands. So they both relapsed. Yeah, I th I'm pretty sure that's just what they're doing for seven months is just staying in the hotel room getting high. And she has the trust fund, mm -hmm. so that would get you a lot of heroin. Yeah. They arrest Christine, and when they arrest her, they put out a warrant for Christopher, and he runs into the woods and takes a bunch of drugs and overdoses, and it sounds like it's suicide. Probably suicide. And in this situation, Christine immediately goes on the defense and she tells the police that Christopher was responsible for the whole thing, she never left her car, all this stuff. But when she gives this first testimony, it's like right after they arrested her. And then she ends up having to go to the hospital for withdrawals and then she gives another testimony that says something else. And then during the actual trial, after she gets clean and goes through all this, she talks about how Christopher grabbed the gun and fired it. You know how I said that originally? Yeah, so yeah. that's where that comes from. But a fire guns expert comes out and testifies and he's like, that's very unlikely. And he gave a whole demonstration on how difficult it was to fire both weapons and how he doesn't see how you could have 
like had somebody grab it and fire it with you. Like it didn't make sense. She ultimately was a minor at the time of the murders, so she's spared the death penalty and sentenced to life in prison, eligible for parole after 40 years, and she is still in prison and has never offered an apology, shown any remorse, or gave any explanation as to why she killed her two best friends, the only people who really like came to her before she became pretty and helped her. Right. Oh, I forgot to mention, one of the main testimonies that put her away was actually her husband's. Oh, I thought he... Oh, so it was Christopher, her ex, who ran into the woods and overdosed. Got yeah, it. not the husband she met in rehab. Got it. Yeah. So, so the husband and her ran away to that hotel, did heroin for months, and then when the cops came and arrested them, what did he do? What happened to him? What happened to him? So he had nothing to do with the murders, and he didn't get any time. He should have, though, because he totally had seven months to come out, didn't he? It's a weird one because it, it's not... I was think, trying to think of this as you were saying it, but it's not really aiding and abetting because the crime happened years ago. Hmm, but it is but, withholding. Is it withholding evidence? He doesn't have evidence. He doesn't have evidence. He just has what she said. What she said. Yeah. So it's a weird one. Huh. And either, either way, the court or the police might have been slightly sympathetic thinking well i mean it is your wife and you didn't hurt oh, anyone you don't have to testify oh but he did he chose to he didn't have to right i think with some space you re- who knows i can't imagine do you think he he could have testified to avoid going to prison that could have been yeah that could yeah. have been in a plea deal yeah that makes sense huh crazy worth it and I wonder if he got to keep the money. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Because yeah. they are they are married. Or yeah. they were married. Yeah. So I doubt they be, signed a prenup. Yeah, he would be entitled to it, half of it. Yeah. Hmm. Would you sign a prenup? Yeah. Like would you want to sign a prenup? Yeah. That would be totally fair. Like let's say I ended up dating or marrying someone who came came from a wealthy family. Mm-hmm. Like their family invented buttered toast and they were just <laughs> billionaires okay like everyone loves buttered toast it's true yeah if she was like hey like you you know i need you to sign a prenup to protect my butter toast estate yeah that's fine with me yeah i'd sign one too what i wouldn't do though is i wouldn't sign a prenup that has a clause like i can cheat on you and it's fine (laughs) but if you cheat you're fucked do those exist oh yeah oh that's terrible get a lawyer check it out yeah um but it's, it's, you know, I get it. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want, I, w- like, I, I wouldn't want to get screwed over if the roles were reversed. If yeah. my family invented buttered toast, I wouldn't want. Somebody to yeah. get, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Plus, like, while you're together, if she likes to spend a lot of money, I'm going to be around for that. Mm-hmm. You know, for, so it's not like you don't get Something. some perks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plus, I- honestly, like, so at that we're ta- now I'm talking like grander here in terms of wealth. Mm-hmm. 300, 350k, that is like a good chunk of change, but that would not be life changing 
In Texas? That's a lot. You're right. In te- I, keep th- yeah. I keep thinking for Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> Where I'm like, it would be a down payment, but you still have a mortgage. And, and if you don't pay it, you're, you're screwed. Yeah. But you're right. In, in, in Texas, I would get you a house outright. Mm-hmm. Like a nice one. Yeah. They actually did buy an apartment together, but they fled it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he still has the apartment. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Probably gets half of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I am pro prenup. I think it is a smart thing to do. Might as well. It's like, why not? You never know. Yeah, I can understand if. Okay, it's kind of tough because there are cases where a prenup is signed, and one of the partners, typically the woman, is expected to be a stay-at-home parent. Mm-hmm. And then oh, then it's cheating not happens. Right. Yeah. Marriage falls apart, and now the stay-at-home partner has to cobble their life together in their 40s. Yeah. So that does happen, and that sucks. Huh. I doubt they had a prenup, though. Yeah, I would be surprised. What do you know about heroin and meth and all the drugs you did? All I know of heroin comes from things I've read and not things I've done. And I know Disclaimer. I'm saying that sarcastically, but it is true. I've never <laughs> once done heroin. There you go. Fixed it. Boom. Saved. <laughs> but heroin is a really kind of messed up one. Is it? I mean, I assume it's super addictive. I, I was a little surprised at first that she went in and killed her friends so violently. Mm-hmm. Because it didn't sound... And maybe we're just, you know, we're obviously not privy to all the information of her life prior to the murders but she seemed like a normal girl who was just having a hard time dealing with her alopecia and the bullying that she faced as a result but uh, as you explained that she was a drug addict i started to sort of understand how she could do those things you you hear stories of drug addicts taking advantage of family and you can you can read stories of former drug addicts talking about the things they did when they were addicted. Part of the problem with drugs like heroin and and meth is using them repeatedly causes actual changes to your brain. So heroin, for example, and this comes from the National Institute on Drug Abuse, which sounds super reliable and official. It does. Again, I'm saying that sarcastically, but it's true. No, no, it does, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So according, according to their literature, on the long-term effects. Not only does heroin cause imbalances in your neurons and your your neuronal and hormonal systems that are not easily reversed, but they deteriorate your brain's white matter, which plays a pretty big part in in messing up your ability to make decisions. So you no longer have that level of cognition and you're also more prone to have irregular mood swings, like to have mm-hmm. mood swings. So things can set you off more easily. Huh. I can kind of understand at 17, when your brain's still developing until roughly 25. Yeah. So to already be messing with your brain chemistry, with the, the white matter in your brain, you're degenerating your own brain as it's developing. I can start to understand how a 17-year-old girl could go from oh, I just wish I wasn't being picked on to I'm bashing my friend's head in with a butt of a handgun. Yeah, and a lot of people hypothesize that she was really jealous of her friends because they were both 
super attractive and like living decent lives in her eyes at least and yeah it could have stemmed from that like this jealous rage coming up right so prior to the drug abuse that jealousy could have existed in like a normal way Mm -hmm. where she wishes she was as pretty as her friends but overall still loved them Mm -hmm. but because of all the drug use suddenly that jealousy manifests in far more extreme and violent ways which isn't which isn't to say you know she's like off the hook obviously I, i know she was a minor but that's a pretty brutal way of killing two people yeah it's not good and oh do you happen to know if the victim's families ever spoke out or said anything they did um all they said was when she was convicted well all that i read was that when she was convicted they said that they felt closure because they had those three years of not knowing what happened Mm -hmm. but i didn't i was wondering about these girls because one of them was dating a drug dealer and they were working in strip club but i couldn't find information like about their families besides that statement they released right so one last thing to add sort of outlined in the in the article or the publication i just talked about a little bit is uh, as we all tend to know heroin is very addictive and one of the downsides of that is once you've abused it for a long time and you're you can suffer withdrawal symptoms your primary motivator becomes getting more heroin Mm. so you have people doing things they wouldn't otherwise do in that pursuit yeah jeez and heroin you take heroin through needles right primarily yeah through needles (laughs) so that explains the thousands of needles in those yeah. pictures yeah 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 they weren't they weren't getting vaccinated or anything no nope. <laughs> it was just it's just taking heroin yeah but thousands of needles that's pretty insane i mean i'll they sh- show you a picture we'll post a picture too but no yeah it was just it's actually it's actually a little curious because the point of not reusing needles is to not spread diseases mm-hmm. but it was just it was just them two i'm assuming yeah, we could have visitors. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Probably not if she was in hiding. Yeah, right? Although, Maybe what a pathetic just... attempt at hiding to just use her debit card to book a hotel room. Ha, well, they'll never <laughs> find us now. As long as we're not at our house or yeah. apartment. Uh, yeah. They, hmm. She should have like taken cash out and gone somewhere. Yep. Yeah, cash is king when you're on the run. Mm-hmm. And Kobe calls me crazy for having an emergency fund. <laughs> no. When the revolution pops off, you're going to want cash to mm. barter your way onto a boat. Maybe some gold. Some gold. There you go. Yeah. Um, this story was actually featured on, on a documentary series mm-hmm. called Killer Kids. Oh. Well. And guess where they make this documentary? Canada. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. They would. Canada seems to be the most lenient with minors. I know. It has four seasons of it. And a lot of the people who have been featured are Canadians. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the U.S., minors who commit crimes like that are often tried as adults. Mm-hmm. Well, this was in the U.S. 
Yeah. But, but usually, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, usually. But, you know, we, yeah. we tend to be a little harsher. We lean more, more on the harsh side than, than lenience. Although, although I, I think Canada goes too lenient, you know, when you bad the bathtub girls and stuff. Yeah, like, when you kill your own them. mother mm-hmm. for 50 grand and you get four years in prison. I know. That seems a bit, a bit light. Just a little. Just yeah. like a little, like, oh, they're not even, what, 21 when they're released? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was uh, Christine. Not, I'm just, I can't say her last name. And now, do you want to hear about her story? <laughs> I was gonna try, but I gave up. Give it a try. Just, just the double L is a Y. No, let's not. <laughs> Why, okay. Danny? Why are you like this? I don't know. Cause I'm a terrible person, just full of anxiety. Your typical millennial. It's true. Mm-hmm. We are an anxious generation. I know what fuels me gives you power yeah <laughs> only reason i get up in the morning is like did i leave the stove on i better check okay you ready for her story yeah have you heard of babe ruth yeah have you heard of lou gehrig yeah i know the disease actually more so it was, than... it was named after the baseball yeah. guy <laughs> yeah have you heard of jackie mitchell no oh well i have a story for you So she grew up next to a guy in Chattanooga. No, wait, sorry. Yeah, Chattanooga, Tennessee in 1913. And this neighbor that she grew up next to actually ended up going into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And he kind of like took her under his wing and just taught her how to play. So she became really good and really interested in baseball. And... She, at the age of 17, actually went and attended a baseball training camp. And while she was there, this was in the, like, 1930s. So while she was there, Joe Engel, who is the president slash owner of the Chattanooga Lookouts, the baseball team, okay, back from the 1930s, saw her and he was like, she would be perfect to use as a publicity stunt to get more people to come out and see their team play because it was the Great Depression and he needed to sell more tickets. So he signed her on to the team in March of 1931, and she was actually the only the second woman to play baseball behind like organized baseball professionally right behind a woman who did it in 1898 she's also very cool but she goes and she this they play against the new york yankees on the yankees is babe ruth and lou gehrig they both come up to pitch against her so she first strikes out this one guy who nobody cares about and then babe ruth comes up next and she strikes him out Okay, she's a pitcher. Oh, yeah, she's a pitcher. Got it. She is amazing. And she strikes him out, and he is pissed. And did you know Babe Ruth is a little sexist? I would assume just most people back then were sexist. Fair point, but he was (laughs) awful. He got super mean, and he, like, yelled at the umpire. And this is a quote from him. 
saying, I don't know what's going to happen if they begin to let women in baseball. Of course they will never make good. Why? Because they are too delicate. It would kill them to play ball every day. Wait, so he said this after he got struck out by a woman? Yes. Wow. Okay. He'd be a modern day incel for sure. (laughs) So Babe Ruth gets struck out. Then Lou Gehrig comes up. He's also famous. Great guy. She also strikes him out. And they win. Woo! So after this happens, like days later, the baseball commissioner voids her contract saying women are unfit to play baseball because they're too delicate. So this is just like so awful and so frustrating because she could have gone far and she could have like made a career out of it. And yeah, yeah. So she in 1937 at the age of 23 she retired because she was pretty much being hired to be used as publicity for people you know Mm -hmm. and so she retired at the age of 23 she stopped trying to go further and that's it that's how it ends and oh by the way by 1952 all women were banned from pay- playing baseball by 19- by 52 all women were banned mhm i thought the ban happened in the 30s no her contract was voided I based see. on this and then it later went on to be a ban got it so wow salty dudes yep and babe ruth is like known and it's just so frustrating that he and like these other men on this team were able to just bring her down because she she struck them out and they didn't handle it well and it's yeah. ugh, it makes me so mad so usually i have like an uplifting woman in history this yeah. was a bit of a bummer yeah but it's important to keep those stories alive too mm-hmm. it, it's true because they're still not a woman's baseball league they're softball but that's like yeah not the yeah. same Having her in baseball would have helped build generations of not that not that generations of women don't love baseball, but it would have helped increase the amount of women mm-hmm. invested in baseball. Oh, for sure. It, it's like with basketball, there's like a female professional basketball league, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't really get that many viewers. It's so sad, yeah. And, and part of it too is you can't suddenly create a culture that appreciates those things when for so long they were banned and barred from. Women, women were banned and barred from participating in these sports. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't overnight have it be as big a part in the culture as the men's leagues because they're, they're just so much more new. Yeah. So it's, it's really unfortunate. It, it, it would take generations for interest to, to reach the same level. Yeah, and there would need to be, like, so much money put into advertising. Right. It's, it's why... Because I, I saw some of this happen in women's MMA. Because mm-hmm. as isn't that big now? Yeah. So what helped women's MMA, particularly in the UFC, which is when I really first started watching it, uh-huh. is they had people like Ronda Rousey, who were she's a, a, an Olympian. She plays third in judo, uh-huh. and she was is attractive and speaks decently and has like a tough attitude, like and when she fought. She went in there to try and like really beat up these other women. Mm-hmm. 
So she became a star. She, she really was at a point the the biggest star in the UFC. Okay. You need those kinds of people. You need you need to be able to market those kinds of people. But yeah. They don't come around all the time. Mm-mm. Yeah. So it is a bit it is a bit like catching lightning in a bottle sometimes. Ugh, that's a bummer. I mean, hopefully some sports will catch up like yeah. the MMA did. Like to an extent, it's definitely yeah. gaining in popularity. Oh yeah, Dana White once said he would never have women fight in the UFC, and he and he credited Ronda Rousey in particular for changing his mind. That's amazing. Because he saw her fight out. Because there is sort of um, I, I was worried I'd, I'd have this reaction too, to be honest. Because there is something, I think to to guys, there's this instinct when you see women getting hurt, that you don't find it. Like, as amusing or interesting or cool as when like two guys are hurting each other. Yeah. It's just a little more concerning. <laughs> okay. But watching Ronda Rousey fight and and she did beat up these women. You you saw the athlete. You saw the judoka, the, the judo fighter that she was. Mhm. And cuz over, overall fighting and and I got I got one of my roommates who you know. Mhm. When she first moved in, she I told her I liked to watch fighting and she talked about how it was barbaric and awful and now now on Saturdays she'll be like oh is there a fight this week and now she loves it really because you because one she loves seeing women competing in this sport mm-hmm. uh you know obviously they're not fighting men but they're competing at the at the highest level of the sport yeah which is currently the UFC yeah so she loves seeing that sort of equality play out and have how you have these like mega stars who are women uh who, who these fighters mm-hmm but then she came to appreciate that, yeah, like it can be brutal, but these are people who train a long ass time in their disciplines and they they truly love competition. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not going in there thinking like, oh, like I want nothing more than to like send someone to the hospital. They're going in wanting to test themselves and test their skill set against someone else who's been training for just as long as they have. Yeah. So it's, and honestly, like any other sport, I find so boring. I'm like, I don't care who throws a ball into the net or kicks the ball into the net the best. Mm-hmm. But have you seen Quidditch? It <laughs> yes. is pretty gruesome. Quidditch, like the actual thing played, in, like the actual like sport what I did in universities. In college, yes. <laughs> I uh, I think, I think I heard you did Quidditch, and I looked up a video of people playing it, and then I thought, no. <laughs> No, it was awful. Oh, I mean, it was really fun. Yeah. But like when we played competitively and we went against a team, like I got picked up and thrown. Wait. And that, like. How is that legal? No, that never happened in Harry Potter. <laughs> well, uh, who was it we were against? Was it Stanford? It was, some, it was some like school like that. And the guys on that team were like Kobe size. And they just, oh. They just picked us up and threw us to the ground like we were nothing. Hit him with the broom. Oh, that is illegal. But picking them up isn't? Apparently not. Can you like hit them? Like strike them? No, you're not supposed to be able to. It was awful. And yeah, that was not fun. But equality. Uh, You're right though. Like sport. Okay. Sports like rugby. Mm -hmm. Those are pretty brutal. Yeah. For sure. Is there a women's rugby? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if in the U.S. because rugby's Rugby's not as big here, but yeah, yeah, there is. There are women leagues. Nice. And they're also pretty brutal. Yeah. It can be fun. 
just if you ever want to make a career career change, Dan. Yeah, I mean, after that game, I was pretty exhilarated. I was like, yeah. I survived that. <laughs> <laughs> My back is all bruised, but I survived. Jeez. Yeah. But yeah, uh, those pioneers are needed. Mm-hmm. What was your name again? I'm horrible with names. Jackie Mitchell. Jackie Mitchell. Yeah. It sucks that she was forced to retire like that, especially after after striking out two Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you're just there to to push progress a little bit further. Mm-hmm. You may you may yeah you may not live to see the end result, but yeah, she did not. But yeah, but she she pushed it forward. Mm-hmm. I mean now women yeah women are far more respected as athletes than than they were back then mm-hmm. in part because of things like that happening exactly yeah and now we can look back on this and be angry and yeah. work towards change and i'm sure you know 90 years from now people will look back at what we were doing and think wow how backwards were they <laughs> for sure i think i think about that with fighting sometimes Really? specifically just oh, because yeah. there's so much info now like our understanding of the brain and the damage and cte oh yeah like with football too right yeah so i do think there will be a time when we look back and think why would we let people do that to each other <laughs> they're causing brain damage yeah but yeah hey until that day comes check out the fights every saturday yeah so check out the fight the women yeah yeah, Amanda in. Nunez is fighting soon. She she is a current two weight division champion in the UFC. I think she's the only UFC champion to hold two belts simultaneously and defend them. And she's arguably the best female fighter to have ever ever lived so far. Damn. And she's amazing. She's knocked out every other top woman, including Ronda Rousey. Damn. She knocked out the woman who beat Ronda Rousey. Uh-huh. Uh huh. She knocked out really everyone. Oh, Chris Cyborg, who was considered to be the, the best, like the uncrowned best woman of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amanda Nunez knocked her out in like 50 seconds. Jeez. Oh, she's a beast. <laughs> and she just had a baby with her partner. Aww. She She's a lesbian and yeah. they just had a baby. Aww. So she's like been posting these photos of her like walking the baby at the park. Aww. That's so sweet. I guess we got to wrap this up actually. Yeah. I'm sorry if there's <laughs> any background noise of my dog snoring. So thanks for listening. We really appreciate it, and we're about to reach 1,000 downloads, which will be a big milestone for us. For sure. And follow us on Instagram. Look us up on our website. Share us with your friends. All right. Thank you. Thanks.